Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. And so we can think about a few different titles out there that there are in families. You think for men, we have titles like maybe a father or a son, brother, husband, maybe with extended family, could be uncle or could be nephew or grandson, those kind of things. Then for women, uh, of course, titles like mother or daughter or sister, wife and extended family, grandfather, grand, not grandfather. That wouldn't work. Granddaughter or aunt or niece. Some of those titles we, f- we find in our lives, in our relationships, in, the, in this here world. And our roles in the, in the family are important, and they usually are very interconnected. Uh, the role of a child, as is, it relates to the family, is extremely challenging. All of us have been children. If we're not currently, we still are children, right, in some sense. And uh, that role is challenging as that individual is growing up and learning how to live in this world. The roles of father and mother are more than biological, more than just natural. And the Bible gives us some accessible guidelines as to how we're going to function in the roles and our titles that we have in families. And and through Scripture, we're going to look at some passages and look at those who have made some relational mistakes and others who have responded a little bit better and we understand from scripture we can learn from it at that uh, families aren't perfect are they they're just not and uh, so we're going to look through some things but we're gonna look through several things and this morning we're going to start out by live up to the titles you've been given especially those that you've chosen now proverbs chapter 31 Uh, verse 15 to 16, the writer is speaking here of a wife of noble character, and he says this about her. He says, she gets up while it is still night. That's early. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. Don't have them anymore. Uh, She considers a field and buys it out of her earnings. She plants a vineyard. And Proverbs uh, goes on to say in several verses before that, in verse 10 and 11, it says, A wife of noble character who can find she is worth more than rubies. That's expensive. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. So if you look at what Proverbs is saying here, he really sets the bar high. And, uh, you know, the facts are, and I would say even the, the writer there of Proverbs would say that, you know, you don't get there all of a sudden. You don't just wake up one morning and all of a sudden you are a wife of noble character or a man of noble character. It doesn't just happen. It usually is a process. And even for a child, you may think you're an awesome kid, but hey, you don't wake up one morning and find out that you're an awesome kid, right? It just doesn't happen. We learn. We grow, right? And just like the noble wife in Proverbs, you have to realize that she had to be willing to learn. She had to be willing to fail. She had to be willing to get up and correct things and then become successful in living out the title that she had. So if you're a spouse or a parent or whatever your title may be, a nephew, a niece, live up to the title that you have 
And if you've taken on the title of father or mother or something else, work at it by performing your roles in your family. So one of your roles may be provider for your household, but by nature, uh, the nature of your title, you may need to provide nurture and support for your family. So it depends. We have different roles in families. Uh, My family, we like to watch the old 90s uh, sitcom once in a while, uh, Home Improvement with Tim the Toolman Taylor on it. And uh, that guy, he has more bravado or uh, macho-idity, whatever that is. (laughs) Maybe that works together, if you know. Anyhow, he is a macho guy, supposedly, and uh, this guy, you would rarely see any nurture out of him. He's usually getting in trouble. Uh, He may be doing things, you know, working on his car and getting in trouble and all those kind of things. And so, we were watching one of the shows here recently, and one of the things that happened was he gets, they get a phone call while his wife is out, and he takes the call, and it's his uh, mother-in-law, and his wife's mom, or wife's dad, sorry, passed away. I know it's a TV show. His wife wife's uh, dad passes away and so he takes the call this macho guy and all of a sudden he turns around and he starts taking care of all the arrangements before his wife ever knows anything about it so he's putting everything together to be able to get up to be with family and then she gets home and and he uh, breaks the news to her and he comforts her and and then helps his boys kind of walk through that traumatic event in their lives and they're trying to work through it And even Tim himself was surprised at the nurture that he ended up providing for his family. And so you don't know what kind of roles that you are going to have to play in your family. And uh, sometimes you have to be able to step up to the plate and allow uh, your title to have more than just one role. Don't take on titles that uh, you don't want when it's within your ability. Some titles can be chosen Uh, Others are given to us. Those that we choose, like husband or wife, need to be taken carefully and uh, prayerfully evaluated before someone enters into that arena. Usually things like aunt or uh, uncle uh, or uh, uh, grandparent, uh, those titles are not ones we choose. Those are ones that we receive because of our relationship with others. But titles are not job descriptions. And In fact, we can really pit titles and roles against each other just a little bit here a person holding a title can have different roles with distinctive situations for example a husband uh, may start off as a primary breadwinner in his family and then his health goes south and he has to take on maybe a secondary role as a as a part-time breadwinner and and the and the wife takes on uh, the more of a role, and it depends on the situation if it's a single family home. But this, uh, his title may be husband, but because of his circumstances, his role has changed a little bit. So Proverbs 31 here, we find that the wife is the one who not only has taken on the role of a, of a caregiver in the family, but she is also taking on the role of a good businesswoman that gets up early. So we can see different roles in families, and families have some different roles among them. Now let's look. Let's jump into uh, something else. Look at let's look at the child and consider your role as a child, and consider this thought as we talk about it. It is my life; I will use it. 
So you can say, it's my life, I will use it. You are a child for life. You say, what? <laughs> you are a child for life. That's just the facts of it. You are a child of somebody for life. And I just hope as you grow older that you don't remain childish, right? Uh, no one wants to be childish as we're older. And we all grow and we have to learn how to live out our life and be a blessing to others. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2 with me. should be on the screen for you this, this morning. Excuse me. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Powerful passage. Uh, that relates not only to children who are young, but also to children who are older. And uh, children should bring joy in a family. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1 says this, A wise son, or we could insert daughter there, uh, brings joy to his father, but a foolish son or daughter brings grief to his mother. And I'm sure that there were times that all of our parents probably looked at us in the eye, probably like mine did, and said, Good grief. <laughs> not because the grief was good, but we were causing them grief. And that's the way it is sometimes as parents, we face those. And the problem was that what we were doing wasn't necessarily right. As a youth, we learn, as a young person, we learn from those who are over us. Proverbs 10.1 again says, a wise son brings joy. Now, wisdom uh, we have to consider that word and what it means there. Really, wisdom is, is something that, that we learn from our experience. We learn from the experience, from the failures of others, from our own lives. And uh, whether it's good or bad, we learn from them. What we do is we, we don't want to make the same old mistakes we do that we, we've made in the past. And that's another reason why we need to know the Word of God so we don't run down the same path we used to run down because we need to have that guidance from the scripture and we need to become wise it's we, we're not wise the day we born we were born were we we learn that over time and do your best to learn from your mistakes and others mistakes you know most uh, most children uh, really want more freedom than they're ready for it's just natural to be able to want that uh, freedom to become their own person they have to make sure they don't uh, run down that path of rebellion that can come so easily. Uh, Psalm 68 verse 6 says this. It says that this way in the New Living Translation. I have it up for you on the NIV, but it says, God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. But he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. For you who are a child of a parent, that would include all of us, right, whether your parents still alive or not, don't, don't forget that even though freedom may, come, may become greater in your relationships, when it doesn't go your way, don't burn that bridge that connects to those who care for you. Use the life that you live to honor those who are over your care. We all have those who have been over our care in our lives. Now let's look at what is spoken to us in Matthew chapter 15, verses 3 to 6 here this morning. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? 
The traditions he's talking about there would be the oral traditions about the law, not the law, not the Bible, not the Word of God, but it was the oral traditions about the law, and these were later written down. And uh, so, and then he goes on to say, For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. That was the old covenant law. And uh, curses in the original language meant to speak evil of them. Then in verse 5 it says, But you shall say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it, thus you nullify the word of God, for they are for the sake of your tradition. Now we're going to unpack that just a hair bit uh, this morning. But Basically, adult children could vow a gift to God, that really showed that they cared less about their parents. This was a problem that Jesus was dealing with because they were using their own traditions to form that to get around from helping their family out. And you know, we, we, it's like they could be saying this, you know, we set this aside to help you guys out when you need a little help. But by the way, we decided to give it to God instead. And uh, they could still look to everybody. Uh, they could still look good to everybody by doing that because they're supposedly giving it to God, but they weren't showing honor or care towards their parents. And our culture may not look exactly the same today in America because of our rugged individualism uh, that our parents instill into us, and that they usually prefer to have. Uh, in our society as well. Yet, it's something that we need to walk through and consider as we see what the Scripture tells us this morning. As a family, you, ha you have to understand the principles that God's Word is setting forth here about honor, and you have to find an appropriate way to show honor in your family. We've looked at some few titles here. And, uh, we, and we need to recognize that uh, we, we have to take on our role as a child, whichever, if that's a young child, an older child, or a very old child. But let's look at another fun one here. And this one we're going to get into is sibling rivalry. Everybody loves that, right? Everybody enjoys sibling rivalry. That's that competition, right? The competition, jealousy, and possibly fighting. I'll just say the word possibly. Between brothers and sisters. Uh, it, it's a concern for most parents that the, they, they are concerned about how their kids interact together and sibling rivalry, you, rivalry usually continues throughout childhood and, and it may frustrate the parents, but work, uh, working things out with siblings gives a chance to develop skills like cooperating and being able to work with other people. Look at others from a different point of view. And this rivalry may be carried into adulthood to some level and could cause some serious tension. And I know that that's, that's just the facts. That's the reality. I've heard, I heard a couple stories after the first service of some talking about how that affected them later on into life. And that's just the way it is. It can. And we have to be able to walk through those things. So we find serious sibling rivalry over in the Old Testament. We're going to look together in Genesis and it's going to be on the screen for you, Genesis 37, verse 3. And uh, here we find that sibling rivalry with Jacob and his sons. And it says here in verse 3, Now Israel, Jacob, loved Joseph more than any, uh, any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. 
And he had made an uh, ornate robe for him, Joseph's famous robe. Verse 4 says, When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. And you, were, you didn't think the Bible said anything like that, did you? It's the rea realities of what people face. Verse 5, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. Hold on here, guys. Listen to this. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. And his brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Are you crazy? He's the youngest. Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Now, there's some things that we can learn out of this. And uh, so we, we have, we're going to look at three things we need to pick up, and not necessarily directly from here, but we see that we have to learn from Jacob right off of the top. It does, the scripture doesn't teach us this out of this part, but the first thing you must do as parents especially is we have to be able to not play favorites. Not play favorites. Genesis' purpose really isn't to teach us that part. But we can see it was a problem, even though each kid has his strengths and weaknesses, don't play off of those in a negative way and put what pit one kid against another. And it really brings us to the second thought here in that part is try not to compare your kids uh, one to another. And that can be challenging sometimes because every kid is different in a family and that's just the way it is. And don't say things to them like, uh, your brother gets good grades in math, why can't you? Or, or you're good at, at this subject, why can't, you, why can't they be? And those kind of things that just kind of set it up for failure. Uh, the third thing here is uh, uh, set your kids up to cooperate rather than compete. You could do that in different ways. Uh, and try to have them race the clock instead of racing each other at times. I know there's always going to be that friendly competition or that rivalry among uh, brothers and sisters and stuff. But we have to think, try to think about those little things. Uh, I'm grateful to my parents who are pretty careful about those kind of things, about trying to give gifts evenly or fairly across the board to us. Uh, uh, it's not always an easy thing to do as a parent, but... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm thankful that they did those things, and it showed up even into adulthood. And uh, I'd say they, they still had to break their fair share of fights. I, I can remember a time my, my dad had to step in between my brother and I on occasion. We'll just leave it at that. He's the bigger one. <laughs> Might as well say it. Sibling rivalry is something that we face, and in the account of Joseph, we see here he didn't really use good discretion himself as the youngest there. See, his dream was from God, we know that, it was God-given, but it may have been best for him just to keep that thing in his heart and leave it to God and pray about it and put, you know, just leave it to the Lord and put it on the shelf for a while. But he didn't. He threw it out to his brothers. I don't know if he's trying to be antagonistic or if he was just doing it out of ignorance. I'm not sure, but he does that. And then it made his brothers madder than they have ever been mad. Have you ever, madder than a hornet's nest or a bunch of hornets. Have you ever got into a hornet's nest before? 
Yeah, some of us when we were young, we used to like take a rock and throw a rock at the hornet's nest and then watch them fly out and then try to chase you. Yeah, that's not a good idea. I don't recommend it. <laughs> not a good idea. And so uh, so you know, that, that's what happened kind of when he tells them this story. It's like, what, are you going to rule over us, buddy? You're the youngest. What are you thinking? So they get kind of mad. They, they take him and they throw him in a cistern like a well and place it where they can get rid of him. And, and so they like take a, some cloth and trick his dad to think that he was killed by a wild animal. You know, these guys are really nice. And then, then after that, you, you see this. They, they sell him off. They pull him out of there. And they sell him off to some transients going by. They sell him off as a slave, basically. Genesis 37, verse 29 and 30 says this. It says, When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He was upset. He's the oldest. He went back to his brothers and said, The boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? He is really upset. And Reuben, here he is as the oldest. He was concerned for Joseph. We don't know for sure. We don't know the intent of his heart, but he may have been worried about his dad being really upset because it was his youngest child. It would be devastating to him. And, and also his responsibility as a firstborn. There he is, and this has happened under his watch. And, and so here's some, here's some things that we can... I've got five things here for you to think about when it comes to working through sibling rivalry. Because we all face it. Here are these five things we want to look at. And the first thing, it starts off like this. And this you should, be, should be familiar with you. Give honor and respect. Really, this goes well in any kind of relationship that we are in. We've mentioned this throughout our family series. And it's something that we always need to keep in our minds. It comes right out of there, out of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. And it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It challenges us to be able to do that. We need to suggest ways that you and your sibling can have equal and mutual or, or mutual relationship. And that's probably easier to do as we get a little older, once we get past some of those tumultuous years that we face. Uh, but you have to be able to walk through and be willing to sit down and talk together a little bit. Then you also have to be willing to set boundaries based on your agreement as well. Set agreeable boundaries. That would be the second thing. And you may, you may work out some boundaries out by saying, well, you can come into my room if you knock first, you know, those simple things. Uh, or you can use my PlayStation if you ask me first. Or, or you can wear my socks if you wash your feet first. You know, that, that, that may not be a good idea. Uh, I'll leave that up to your discretion. Uh, but... You know, those are some things that we need to think about, and boundaries aren't only physical. Uh, you can also say things like no yelling, no name-calling. Uh, you know, really, uh, I mentioned this even in the early service, too, that maybe, maybe you are two adult uh, siblings, and maybe one person is yelling at the other, and you say, I'm sorry, I do not have to put up with that, so I'm going to step away. That's not rude for them to do that at that point because it's disrespectful of the other person to be yelling at them that way or to call them names. You have to be able to set those boundaries. Those boundaries are good so that you can keep a good, solid relationship. And really, these things relate to anything, any relationships that we have. Not always easy. The facts are none of us are perfect, are we? None of us are, and we have to walk through them. So set those boundaries and learn, learn to listen well. 
That's a tough one, isn't it? That's a tough one. We have to be able to learn to listen well. Some are better at this than others, but it's still a skill that can be built, and we have to work at it. And good communication is important, especially among siblings. Just important. Good listening is something that includes a few things. It may be that you have to set down the newspaper. Maybe you have to set down your phone or something else that you're doing to try to be able to focus. Some people can uh, multitask better than others. Uh, but, you, but you still have to be able to at times set those things down so that you can work through and start listening to the other person. Maybe it's you have to refrain from thinking about what you want to say before, before you've had the chance to say it. But you have to be able to work through sibling rivalry. And then the, the th- fourth thing here is to be honest and share respect. Now, I say that share respect with being honest because there's some things that goes with that. Be careful not to speak honestly without being kind. Just because you shoot straight doesn't mean you have to be hurtfully critical. And those are things that we must watch, especially in family, because in family, people go at each other a lot easier than they do out in public, because in public, we know we have to be respectful of those around us. But in family, we get to know each other, don't we? You get to know each other enough, and then sometimes those those rules seem to drop to the side, but we have to make sure that we respect one another and and we speak honestly, but do so with respect. Constructive criticism shows consideration for the other person's feelings and invites their suggestions and cooperation. When you can't figure out how to criticize uh, somebody constructively, probably the best thing we need to do is keep our mouth shut, right? Uh, There's some times that we have to just do that. That's That's the better of the choices. And we have, we have to be able to keep in mind that there is no relationship that is perfect. There's no relationship that's perfect, and all of us are growing. We've all, been, we've all come from a broken background in some sense because Scripture tells us that we've all sinned and fell short of the glory of God. And so we're all a work in progress, and we need to allow His grace to work in our lives so that we can interact in an appropriate manner with one another. But of those five, that I, of those five the biggest one I would say is number five, and that's this one, and that's ask ask for forgiveness and give forgiveness. Now, I think most of all those other things, they're all important, but this is probably the one that's going to stand out the most in your life, is that each and every one of us have to be willing to ask for forgiveness and give forgiveness. Joseph, if you look back into the Old Testament into the story in, in Genesis 37, uh, you, see, you see what took place there and how Joseph ended, uh, ended up learning and practicing forgiveness there after his brothers have sold him off. Remember, they're mad at him. They are mad at this guy. First of all, dad was, uh, dad was being too kind to him and giving him the nice coat. They didn't get that stuff. And he evidently, he was showing some favor to Joseph that he probably shouldn't have showed in that way and ignored the others. But that's what was happening. We can learn from that. But then, but then Joseph here, he, he gets sold off because they're so mad. And then he ends up being like second in line, the visor in, in, uh, in Egypt. And now there's a, there's a bad famine that comes through the land. 
and, and uh, Jacob and the family, they, they, he sends them out and says, hey, you guys got to come down here and see, see what help you can get. And who do they find? They find Joseph, the guy, the guy they threw away, the guy they pretended was dead. And they lied to their dad and told him he was dead, basically. And, and now he's sold into slavery, but God uses that and works him up to the position he has. And, and the first thing, he, he did exactly what I would do. He'd say, you dirty crooks, get out of here. I'm not helping you. <laughs> That's not what he did, is it? No, he didn't do that. He welcomed them. He didn't tell them right away. And he took care of them. And he forgave them, basically. Here's what Jesus says on forgiveness. He says this over in Luke chapter 6, verse 37 and 38. He's talking about judging and forgiving and giving, but that giving is really in context of judging and, and forgiving. And he says this, Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So we can expect, as we're willing to forgive others, those that maybe sometimes who are closest to us and have the most rivalry with us, that when we are willing to forgive them, we can expect that forgiveness will come around to us as well from others when we make those same mistakes. We may not make the exact same mistake that that other person did, but we will make mistakes. That's a guarantee, isn't it? Because we're human and we still deal with that and battle with that human nature that we have. We're still working and allowing the Spirit of God to work in our lives to continually to transform us day by day. But it doesn't mean we're perfect yet, so we need to allow Him to work in our lives. The final thing as we, as we get ready to wrap this up here this morning, some of you guys are thinking about steak at this point, uh, but uh, we realize God's call in our title, we see his call in our titles. We all have different titles. Each title you receive actually kills selfishness. If it's dad, niece, brother, son, granddaughter, sister, or, or any, of, any of these, they, it pushes us to selflessness. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says this to us. It says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. If you're called into a title, you are called to become selfless. Not the easiest thing, but it's what we've been called to, uh, to do and to be like when we allow the Spirit of God to help us in our lives as we do come closer to Him. There's that transformation that takes place. We need to be able to grow into our titles or you can lose it. We find over in the Old Testament, we find a guy named Saul. Saul was a king. He was our first king of Israel. And we saw that he lost his title because he chose to run his own direction. He was called to be king, but he chose to ignore God's plan, God's direction. And he lost his title, but it didn't have to be that way. Sometimes we can lose our titles and we need to be careful to make sure that we care and we look to the Lord and follow His plan for our lives. And if we, even if we do lose one of those titles, we know that there is forgiveness, there's redemption, and there's hope. We're called to serve, to train, and to build the spiritual and the vocational in our family. 
whether it's a grandchild or your child or a sibling, uh, build these things in one another, encourage one another. Now, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says this, speaking to fathers, it says, Fathers, do not, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So we know that this kind of instruction is what helps our kids to live on a solid moral uh, background, a good solid foundation. And that's what our world needs more than anything. And for us as the body of Christ, if we will train up our kids uh, in the way they should go on that solid moral background, then how much stronger will our world be and will the body of Christ be? If we don't train them up, who will? Society will do it. They'll do it. They'll do it in their own way. Even parents can help a young adult child to think through their career path possibilities. And another thing we find here is don't defraud or withhold what your title demands of you. We find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, as Paul is speaking to a couple here, but he says, do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So titles have different roles. They have different responsibilities that go with them. And make sure that you treat others around you fairly. Make sure that you treat them with respect. And if you mess up, if you mess up, make sure you go back to them and say, I mess up, forgive me. And then when you forgive them, you know that that forgiveness can come back to you as Luke, as we see from the book of Luke and what Jesus said. And we know that fatherless is a detriment to our culture. But God and his people can work to fulfill the title for the fatherless as well. We see that in, in Psalm 68, verse 5. It tells us that God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. He cares for each and every one of us. As we conclude this morning, remember this. Some titles are given to us. Some titles are given to us. Some titles are chosen. Either way they come to us, it comes to us with a set of privileges and responsibilities. And through Scripture, we, we've seen that those who have made some real relational mistakes in their lives, we've seen that, and others have responded better. But no matter if it, if it was you or others who have made some of those mistakes, be willing, be willing to forgive and move on. And more than anything, be willing to be a person who will take whatever title that you are given, that you've chosen, and work at becoming the best you can be with God's help. Be willing to learn and become who God has called you to be. And everyone makes mistakes. There's no question about it. Every person does. But we have to be willing to get up and move forward in our friendships, in our relationships, in our families. Maybe today is the day you, need, you have a sister or a brother that you need to call. You may not have talked to them in 10 or 15 years. I don't know. Maybe this is that day that you need to call and make a truce. Scripture tells us to be at peace with all men as far as it is up to us. Do whatever you can to be at peace with others.
they don't always return back in the same way and that's understandable sometimes that doesn't happen they they aren't willing yet but for us we need to do our part to be able to reach out to others and offer forgiveness amen would you stand with me this morning there's something else that we should do let's celebrate our families celebrate them in private celebrate them in public our family may have many different facets to it look different ways and that's okay but we need to celebrate our families together let me pray with you this morning then our prayer teams are going to come up father we ask you that you would help us as we are growing as families each and every one of us we grow as the body of christ as well we're a family too father we ask you to help us lord Help us to live in such a way that it pleases you. Help us to live out our faith in our families in a way that we can be more effective, that we can be more loving and careful. Father God, that we can be willing to set aside selfishness and to put others first. In Jesus' name.